Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Krista Testani. Thanks for being on the show, Krista. Thank you so much for having me, Whitney. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm pleased to have you on. Uh, Krista brings a wealth of knowledge and experience from this industry. And we've had we've had one of our partners, Chris Jackson, on, and, and they're just doing some amazing stuff in this business and, and just crushing it. I see them all over the place. And, uh, you know, Krista was a lawyer by trade and transitioned into real estate in 2009, buying singles, and then in 2012, buying multifamily. Involved in acquisitions on the East Coast, including Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, and also Ohio, and New York, amounting to over $21 million, and currently owns an asset manages 230 units in Atlanta and a 40 single family portfolio in Syracuse, New York. She's co founder of Multifamily Apartment Investing Unveiled a networking platform where Krista and her partners dive into the details of their experiences and share all of their most critical learning moments. I can't wait to hear about that as well. Uh, But Krista, you know, give the listeners a little bit more about who you are and how you got into this business and and then let's dive in. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Well, again, my name is Krista Testani. I live in Long Island in case anyone can't figure that out from my very thick accent. I was an attorney. I still have my license, but having practiced for a number of years and given the demands of that industry, a lot of hours that you have to work, a lot of time spent away from your family, I really wasn't loving what I was doing. And when you work that much, you should really love what you're doing. I transitioned out in 2007, not knowing what I was going to do next, believe it or not. It was a recommendation by my husband at the time. He had always been interested in real estate. And he was a retired firefighter. And so him and a few partners, other retired firemen, uh, got together and we all formed a company and decided to buy singles on Long Island and flip them. It was back in 2009. There was a lot of distressed assets. And that's what we did. But I had realized very early on that I wanted to scale this business. And I did not think buying and flipping real estate, single family homes was a way to do it. So I ventured off joined a mentorship program, learned about multifamily. And 2012 is when I really got into multifamily with 2013 being my first acquisition. Nice. So, you know, you and I discussed it a little bit before the show, but it's a big deal. I mean, to leave your law practice, you know, you didn't just start that overnight, right? No, I did not. It took a lot of work. And I quit abruptly because I actually was one of those aha moments where the gentleman that I was working for, for a number of years, 10 years, I was very close with him in the industry, had a heart attack and died. And he was 42 at that time. And that was kind of my, yeah, it was a wake up call for me. Like, what am I doing here? Spending all this energy and time working again, spending hours away from my family. And tomorrow's not guaranteed for any of us. So let me figure out what I want to do. And I quit cold turkey, which was a shocking, (laughs) shocking thing for both me and my husband to, to do, but he was patient and very supportive. And it did, it took me a couple of years to really figure it out. But I was very happy that I jumped into real estate because it really truly became what I learned to be was my passion. I just got there in a very bizarre way. 
Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't as direct as most people's paths into real estate. You know, I find, though, that numerous guests have a story, not exactly like that, but somehow where they've like burned a bridge and just jumped in with both feet. Yes. It's like you don't have a choice but to make it happen. Sink or swim. Yes. Sink or swim. Yeah, sometimes. And I guess I think I've always operated best under pressure. And, and that sink or swim scenario has always propelled me to do my best. And that's exactly what happened here. I like that. And then, you know, how much credit to, and I want to get into some other stuff, but I wanted to ask how much credit as far as like you said, you joined a mentorship program uh, as far as deciding who that mentor was and how did you do that? I get that question often. There's a lot of programs right. out there. There's a lot of people providing education. So you got to be careful. You know, you, you do have to be careful. Obviously, location was part of my choice. I wanted to physically be in front of that person. There's a lot of programs that you can do online, materials you can purchase online. But I wanted a mentor that I could sit in front of, look at eye to eye and really get to know that person. So location was a part of the process. Then sometimes it just comes down to the gut reaction you have to someone, whether or not you feel like you're just being sold a program or whether you know that you're dealing with someone who A, is doing the do. This is a piece too. I wanted a coach that was also doing multifamily investing, not just at this point coaching on it because I wanted to be able to see him or her in action doing his business. And that's how he modeled his actual program. It was diving in with him into what he was doing and learning what he was doing as he was moving through the process. So there's a lot that goes in. It's a very personal choice, but those are some of the recommendations that I would put out there to people. Live in-person coaching, I think, is a good thing. I like that. I, I don't hear of too many coaches that, I guess, be that open about their current, you know, the current things they're working on or doing right now in the business. I agree. That's important. Transparency and integrity. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, let's talk about that first deal. And, and were you all formed as a company yet, like with your current partners at that time or, you know, at the time you did the 50 unit? The 50 unit, which... Was that your first deal? Was the 50 unit? Maybe I'm getting that mixed up. Yeah. My very first deal was a 20. Unit. Okay. It was a smaller deal. Uh, but I syndicated. I had a company formed at that time with the partners at that time. Okay. Since have new partners, Chris Jackson, I formed my company in 2016. But yes, we formed an LLC and we did syndicate the deal and go out to our network with that very first deal. Because I knew from the get-go syndication was what I needed to do. Because again, I went into multifamily to scale. So you're not going to scale that type of business by using all your own money because eventually you run out. So I syndicated from day one. Love it. So what gave you the confidence to syndicate that first deal? Took some training or maybe the mentor, you know, what was it? I truly believe that to be able to do this, because the first deal is the hardest, obviously, for all the obvious reasons. And I really believe that knowledge transforms into confidence and that transforms you into your results. That gets you your results. So you have to arm yourself with knowledge. So yes, the mentorship program was huge. And whether it be a mentorship program or classes that you take or some type of education platform, you have to go out to your network. And even though it's your first deal, you still have to know what you're talking about. And you have to make your the people that are listening to you feel comfortable that you know what you're talking about. So knowledge was huge. I leveraged my mentor. I leveraged his experience. I invested in two of his deals 
because right away I was able to go out to my network and say, I passively invested in two deals. I did what I'm asking you to do. And because it was my mentor, I was also more involved in those deals. So I called myself an equity investor, what, what I was, but I was more active. I called myself active. It was a passive investment, but I was more active because I was working with my mentor on those deals. That was huge to be able to do that because from my very first presentation, I got feedback from my investors saying, ultimately they invested, even though this is your first deal, it doesn't sound like it's your first deal. So that's important. You really have to know what you're talking about. That's a new term for me, active. Passive and active. <laughs> passive and active. Yeah, that's one of my, that's a well-used term that we use all the time. I like that. And, and also you talking about how you leveraged your mentor's background, experience. I mean, that's how I got started. You know, I get questions every, numerous people I talk to every week ask, how do you get started in the syndication business? Or how do you start raising capital? What does that look, blah, 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 right? But however, that's a big part of getting started is partnering with somebody that's way ahead of you. Exactly. And I actually used him too. I had a presentation of all my team members. So I have an accounting team. I have a legal team. He was a coach and a consultant for me that I actually put up on the screen. And I said, this is someone who has my back. I'm not reinventing the wheel. You know, I am learning from someone who's been doing this for many years prior to me. And he's someone that I'm running things by. I'm getting feedback from him. I'm getting opinions. And that was important because they knew that even though this was my first deal, there was someone else in the background helping me through the process. I like it. And so, you know, uh, tell us a little about that opportunity and maybe how, you know, what you learned from that first syndication, you know, what you've applied from that one to the rest of your business. What I learned on my first deal and I've applied moving forward. You know, the biggest piece, this is not my first deal. It was my second, but I'm, I'm going to go to my yeah, second please. because this was very important. My first deal went very well. Nice returns. It was a good deal. My second deal, I did not hit my projections. I held on for five years. I did not hit my projection. If you ever ask me what's my worst deal, that, that would be the one so far. But many things went wrong during that hold, unexpected things. And one of the things that I did from the get-go, and I will always use it going forward, and it was a learning experience, is I was transparent from day one. Every time something happened in that deal. So reporting and transparency is really a huge part of syndication because your investors, you don't have a syndication business if you don't have your investors. So you need to be really diligent in reporting on a consistent basis and really transparent. So things went wrong during that deal, during that five-year hold. When I ultimately sold the deal and I gave them the returns that I gave them and I did not hit my mark, there was no surprise there. They knew everything that was going on, when it was going on, what I was doing to mitigate you know, damages, how I was maneuvering, why I was selling early. So when they got those returns, yes, they were less than what was expected, but nobody, absolutely no one had negative feedback from that deal. Those same people have invested in other deals. People thanked me for my honesty and they said, good job. You know, you did the best that you could do with the circumstances that you were dealing with. And no one walked away from that deal feeling bad. Even though I felt bad, I couldn't deliver my projected returns, but I didn't feel bad about how I handled it and either did they. I love it. So I appreciate your transparency here. Not many people will get on and say, well, we had a deal that, you know, that didn't meet the returns or projected returns. 
And so, but I just think it builds credibility for you. And obviously it did with your investors as well. And yeah, so, absolutely. Every deal can't be a screamer. That's right. It's real estate. There's risk involved. No doubt. As with any investment, right? You know? Exactly. So, yep. so, you know, help us to be transparent or have proper reporting like you're talking about. How did you report that? How often were you reporting it? How were you, you know, being as transparent as possible with investors and communicating with them through these problems? I started out doing quarterly webinars. So when, you know, after the deal is now solidified and you're in the deal, I started out doing quarterly webinars and that we provided PowerPoint screens that actually showed performers and how we were performing and assumptions and future projections. I actually have since we have transitioned to doing, you can do a combination. The webinars are nice because they can hear you talk. They can ask live questions. We've since implemented doing monthly reporting though. So now we're also sending out a monthly newsletter to our investors so that yes, we'll do webinars, but we're also going to bring you up to date snapshots, I should say, monthly snapshots of what's going on. And that's super important too in the beginning of a deal when there's a lot going on. What we realized is a quarterly webinar, three months has gone by. When you're doing a heavy lift and you've got a lot of projects going on, there's a lot of turnover, those investors deserve more frequent reporting. So we have implemented now a monthly newsletter in addition to quarterly reporting. We always do a year-end report where we're summing up the entire performance for the year. So, I mean, you really... It's discretionary in what format you want to provide that reporting, how often. I would say lean towards more often than not, because the way to keep your investors engaged, it's very important to keep them engaged, never to feel like, hey, I haven't heard from you. What's going on? The worst thing you ever want to get is an email from an investor that says, what's going on with my deal? Right. I mean, you really don't want that email or that phone call. You you want them to know your emails are coming and expect to to hear from you. Uh, And so I couldn't agree more. Do you do mostly emailing? Do you do any calls and how often or is it just something specific that an investor needs to know? Or, you know, how do you handle that? We'll always respond to an email or a phone call. Well, if an investor emails us and is asking us a question or if an investor picks up the phone, we will obviously respond. We don't do our main communication through emails because you're dealing with, you know, our last deal was 174 unit, $10.8 million buy. We have 50 investors. So we're not picking up the phone calling people. We're doing email blasts, newsletters, email blasts to notify them of our quarterly webinars so that they can get on to the webinar. You have to handle it that way when you're dealing with that many people. Of course. But we would, of course, always respond to an individual email or phone call. So maybe give me some examples of what you would have in a monthly newsletter. Obviously, you know, the syndicators that are listening, I know they're they're trying to become more, profe- you know, have a more professional business and having to, trying to be as transparent as possible with their investors as well. Or even the passive investor that's listening and, you know, they want to know what to expect from a syndicator. You know, or if they're potentially looking to invest with somebody, they want to know what, you know, what should they expect? And so what what do you all include in that? Uh, is it specific to the company? Is it specific to a property? What does that look like? Well, okay. Certainly when you have a property, it's specific to the property. So our monthly newsletters is updating from the last prior month, what has happened since what we reported last month. When we go down to the property, that newsletter often will include a link 
for pictures as well as videos. We do live videos all the time and walking through whatever project we're reporting on at the time. And people love that because they're seeing real time what physically is going on with the property. So that's something that we've added this particular deal. We never did that before. And then we were like, hey, why why haven't we ever done this before? People really gobble that up because again, they can see live what's going on with your property. So that monthly newsletter is often just an update from the prior. And then we'll have quarterly reporting. That's giving you a snapshot of every quarter as well. And that's just a lot of numbers, a lot, you know, showing the performer, the assumptions, and then where our actuals are hitting every single quarter. So that's what you're doing on a deal specific basis. As for general in investment, investor communications, it's important to just send out for those investors who are not in any of your deals, but you want to keep them engaged. It's important to send out an email blast every now and then. I'm going to say once every couple of months. So they're not forgetting who you are. You're sending out an email blast, letting them know what you're doing, letting them know of any prospective deals coming in the pipeline or any tidbit of information you want to share with them that you think they'd be interested in as a passive real estate investor. So you want to be doing that in parallel to your own deals. You want to constantly be out there marketing your brand to your past investors or potential investors. Oh, that's great. And Krista, you know, you have 30 seconds with somebody and, you know, what do you tell them when they say, Krista, I really want to get started in this syndication business. What's your best advice for them? And they're just starting mm -hmm. out. Right. My well, best let's say, you know, most people probably have a W-2, you know, and they're looking to transition into real estate, but, you know, and they want to syndicate that's right. and they want to syndicate. So the key piece is syndication. So I'm going to say to cut their learning curve really shorter, way shorter than mine. I am going to tell them if you want to syndicate, just like you said, people are coming from all different backgrounds into real estate. Very few went to school to be a real estate syndicator, right? You need to get out of your comfort zone on day one. You need to not only network to your warm market, your friends and family, which some people have no problem. I had no problem, you know, going out to my friends and family from day one. Some people have a lot of problems doing that and they'd rather go to the cold market. My advice is you have to do both. You have to get in front of your family and friends. You have to start talking up what you're doing, your vision of where you want to go and to gauge their interest level. And you have to start networking and building up relationships in this business that will lead you to other partners in your deals, as well as other investors. You need to do that from day one. I didn't do it from day one, and it stalled the growth of my business for years because I was really comfortable networking to my family and friends. I had a real mental block about going out there and networking with strangers and building up that part of the business. Great advice. Get out of your comfort zone. And as soon as possible. Immediately. Right? Day one. That's right. If, you, <laughs> Day if one. you're not comfortable talking to your, your mom or your spouse about the real estate industry, you know, how are you going to feel when you get that room of strangers? Right. Or inversely. I mean, yeah. I've had people say they, they would rather be in a room full of strangers, but they don't really want to bother their friends and family. And I say, you got to do both. You especially have to do what you're most uncomfortable with so that it gets comfortable, right? Mm. So the idea is that you're not always in your uncomfortable zone. Eventually, that discomfort becomes comfortable and, and becomes normal. What would you say has been the hardest part of the syndication business or process for you so far? I'm not going to say what everyone says, and that's the raising money. <laughs> 
because that to me is obvious, that piece. And I just went through it about why that's so hard. I actually am going to talk to you about what I just touched upon, managing the administrative part of client relations, the paperwork that's involved, it, not only just the reporting and setting up your systems to reporting, but even the paperwork involved in gathering their information. If they're doing a cash deal, that's a whole separate thing from an IRA deal. And, and IRA investors, you know, sometimes want a little bit of education about their IRAs. And now you have to become somewhat not an expert. Don't ever hold yourself as an expert in IRA or accounting, but you do have to arm yourself with enough information to walk them through that process and then refer them to their accountant or IRA custodian. That whole admin piece of managing the paperwork involved, the reporting involved, the tax paperwork involved, come tax filings for investors. When you're syndicating, you can have anywhere from two investors to 52 investors in a deal. So you can imagine the scale of paperwork you're dealing with. That has been quite a challenge. And I warn people that gathering up the investors is only step one. Now you have to manage that whole process. And that's that. there's work involved with that. Doable. I mean, this is doable stuff. You just need to set up your systems and line up your ducks all in a row so that it becomes manageable for you. I'd love to do a show with you just on that topic right there. Absolutely. Happy to do that. <laughs> and try not to bore your listeners to death about it, but it's a necessary part of the Very business. much so. And it's not something a lot of people talk about, you know, so it's, no, it's great no, information. So anyway, we'll try to do that for sure. Okay. Uh, but what's the number Absolutely. one thing that's contributed to your success? The number one thing, I'm trying not to sound cliche, but honest to God, this is the truth. You have to stay so persistent and consistent in your action because you will get knocked down so many times. I mean, right out of the gate, I did the mentorship program in 2011, graduated in 2012, did not hit the streets for an entire year, didn't get my first deal until 2013. A lot of people, that already would have given them pause to walk away like a year later and they still didn't have a deal. Or you're focused and you're intense and you get into a 100-unit deal. We just got into a 100-unit deal last summer and had to walk away on the 30th day because of something that was uncovered in due diligence. We had already talked up the deal to our investors. We had already you know, took on some expenses regarding the due diligence costs. You got to walk away on the 30th day because of actually you know, a mistake that we made, something that we didn't look at until the 30th day. There's a lot of things that are going to knock you down or slow you down. And you have to be willing to like, not only pick yourself up and move on, but do it quickly and forge forward really quickly because the next deal's on the horizon, but you can't be sitting you know, with your pity party because of what is going on. I mean, this is a tough business. It's competitive. There's lots of people out there raising money and buying apartment buildings. So as cliche, things are cliche because they are, tend to be true and resounding amongst the mass population. You have to be persistent and consistent in your action every day. Love it. And how do you like to give back? Actually, one of the things that we're doing, and, it, and you said you want to talk about it so very quickly, multifamily apartment investing unveiled is something that Chris and I and Sonia, our JV partner, decided to start because not that we've been in the business that long, but we've been in it long enough that we have so many learning moments. This is a free platform. There's a Facebook group that you can join as well as a live meetup on Long Island in Westbury. And we really felt like 
A, we wanted to provide networking opportunity, whether it be online or in person. Networking is part and parcel of this business. Every meeting we just share, we do a monthly meeting, a learning moment, you know, something that took us by surprise. Even with all the mentorship programs that you do and all the learning and the education platforms and the books you read, there will be something that takes you by surprise in every single deal. And we just wanted to share all of that because the more information we can put out there in those learning moments, it helps other people. It shortens their learning curve and hopefully they don't make the same mistakes. So that's a big piece. Oh, and I'm a board member of my church. I'm very active in my church and that's a huge part of my life. And I give back in that way and I give to Jesus in that Mm -hmm. way. Thank you for sharing that. And tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you, Krista. Krista at sharplineequity.com. www.sharplineequity.com is our website. And also, if you Google multifamily apartment investing unveiled, you will be able to you know, accept an invite into the Facebook group. So if you're not local to Long Island, you can join our group. And then you can also, through that site, join the meetup and come and meet us in person every second Wednesday of the month. Great. We'll definitely have that in the show notes so people can see the link and possibly join the group as well and learn learn Thank from you. you all. Christy, you've been, you've been a so great much. guest. I really appreciate your time and just the value you've provided to the listeners. And, uh, you know, I hope the listeners will reach out to Krista. And uh, I've enjoyed having her and, and our partners and Chris on the show and look forward to having them back. I hope you all will connect with them and also go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me and join the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show. And hope you're sharing the show and we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, Making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.